Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to your weekly dose of Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Simon Miller. It is Saturday the 16th of September, unless you're not listening to this on the day it comes out. And that's cool. You listen at your own comfort, my friend. And this is a pro wrestling podcast about wrestling, obviously, because otherwise the name would be, would be well off. Well, thank you very much for downloading me. Thank you very much for thinking, you know what? I'd like to hear Miller talk about wrestling for a little while. And we had a big week. We had a very exciting week. I think it's one of those weeks where, you know, actually got people talking. And maybe it wasn't, depending on which way you approach it, maybe it wasn't the best thing we could have done if we're not thinking about storylines and angles and remembering about health and reality. But we'll get to that. But I enjoyed the week. I thought it had, again, I like it when something happens in wrestling that gets people talking. Because that's what all forms of entertainment should do. It's like if you watch Game of Thrones, there's a big twist. A lot of people watch it simply so they don't miss out on the conversation the next day. And wrestling and WWE kind of feel like they made that splash over the last week, which I thought uh, I thought was really good. Before we get into it, uh, remember you can always find me on Twitter at Simular316. All feedback and thoughts welcome. Please do join the Pro Wrestling Facebook group just by searching for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast in your Facebook search bar. Join the Fantasy League. We're coming up to no mercy, so you've got to make sure that you get involved. You can win a prize can win a damn prize. What else should you do? You should give this five stars if you're on iTunes. Review us, rate us, push up the rankings. Make sure you tweet about it. Tell your mates. Get it out there. And of course, if you want to uh, help support the podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316. And as I've said before, if you could only give a dollar, you would help all of this to such a great degree. And again, all the money goes back into, uh, into my personal projects, including my YouTube channel, which you can find by just looking for The Miller Report and a brand new YouTube channel that's hopefully launching next week. Anyway, let us start on the big news of the week, which was, of course, that Vince McMahon returned to, to SmackDown Live. And I think it's the first time he's been on SmackDown in like four years or something. He pops up on Raw every now and then. Well, I think the last time was when he, he welcomed Kurt Angle back after WrestleMania. But he's not a presence anymore. And why it doesn't really make much of a difference which show he turns up on, because it's still Vince returning to WWE TV. That's the main thing that you remember. He still does have, and I guess it, it's nostalgia to, to a certain degree, but it's also he's such a good performer. And I think that's a reason why we all look forward to seeing him. Because, you know, A, you know, if Vince McMahon's on TV, he's going to do something of note. Because, of course, he is. He runs the place. He's not going to do anything anything lackluster. But, yeah, my favorite thing about Vince McMahon is, is that he's just really good when he's out there. He's entertaining. He's fun. He's just in, he's just entertainment. And I think that is is really important. And, and you again, you know, whoever he gets involved with is going to get a decent rub. Because, again, he's Vincent Kennedy McMahon, damn it. So that's why I was excited. Now, I thought SmackDown built up to his return very well. It also helped the ratings. I think they did the highest rating since the Superstar Shake-Up. did like a 2.7, which is very, very good, especially as we're back in football season. But, you know, it started with Kevin Owens coming out and, you know, kind of insinuating that he was going to run SmackDown now and he knew Vince McMahon was going to be on his side. And then Daniel Bryan was there like, no, Kevin, you, you shut up and shaking his fist. But it just... It built. It built to Vincent Mann coming out at the end of the show. And I think the whole segment, both throughout the night and the start and the finish, did Kevin Owens 
I thought it helped him no end. Now, my only worry is when Vince McMahon was running Kevin Owens down and talking about lawsuits and him being a billionaire, no one can beat him, I did start to get worried that maybe they're only doing this angle to take shots at CM Punk. Now, CM Punk is currently embroiled in a lawsuit with WWE over comments he made on a podcast and, and his opinion that he wasn't medically treated in the right way. And I know there has been some hoo-ha with it recently with uh, CM Punk asking for uh, some documents to be um, made public or something and WWE saying well, it's going to cost you a fortune. So my only worry is that Kevin Owens is being used as a pawn. But let's not be cynical. Let's hope that's not true. Uh, more importantly than that, not many people know that. That's very insider smarky stuff. So hopefully the casual fan sees Kevin Owens you know, hanging out with Vince McMahon and thinks, wow, Kevin Owens, we should start taking him more seriously than we did. Now, everything else that kind of happened was uh, irrelevant, really. I mean, the, 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 the long and the short of it is we are going to get Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon in a Hell in a Cell, at Hell in a Cell. And I, I've been all right with that since day one because I think, again, Shane McMahon is always going to be treated like a big deal. I've said this so many times now. So whoever gets to be in the ring with him is going to benefit. And I'm a big Kevin Owens fan, so I'm happy that he's going to be able to benefit. He deserves it, and he does have all the skills and all the potential and all the tools to become a top star. I mean, you could argue that he already is, but I think you could get him over the top even more. I think he's that talented. And, of course, the angle they came up with was after they had a big sort of back and forth, yelling at each other, you know, verbally antagonizing each other. It was decided that, yes, Kevin Owens was going to slam into man in the head with what seemed to be, well, there's no seemed to be about it, which was a legit headbutt. Now, the rumor and innuendo, as a good, um, as uh, Conrad Thompson on the, on the Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard podcast would say, is that Vince McMahon pre-bladed, which means he cut his own head backstage and they put some, uh, some makeup and some fake skin over the top. Now, I don't, I don't know whether that's true or not. I mean, it, it, it does make sense to a certain degree because even if you tell somebody to headbutt you for real, you don't know how your body's going to react. I'm sure there have been times in the past where you've smashed your head and think, oh, no, I bet it's cut open, and you're amazed that it hasn't. And it's the same here. You, know, you can't control that kind of stuff in a, in a live environment. So there's every chance that beforehand, yes, they set it up to make sure that it would happen. Now, this is where we get to the crossroads, that from a wrestling angle point of view and making me want to talk about it with friends and getting me excited and making me buy into the angle, it was awesome. I mean, it absolutely was. Seeing Kevin Owens, especially if you know this backstory of Kevin Owens, and you get to see him have a back and forth with Vince and then slam him in the head for real, and it look as vicious and aggressive as it was, because again, it was a real headbutt. I mean, you can't, you can't buy that kind of impact for, and that's not a pun, <laughs> um, but you can't buy that kind of impact. And it was, you know, and now when Shane McMahon can come back and he can all be like, oh, I've got to get revenge for my dad, and Kevin Owens can use this for months now to really ram down people's throats. It was great. And again, it had that buzz where you could feel it, uh, you know, started kind of filtering through social media. Like it, it, people talked about it for days. It became one of those things. Now, on the other side of the coin, if you know anything that's happened in New Japan with Shibata, and the, the, the short story there, if you don't watch New Japan, is he headbutted Okada for real in a match, just like they did here, and he was the one giving the headbutt, and it was so bad and caused so much brain trauma. You know, it was amazing that he even managed to, you know, get back on his feet. He was in some real, some real bother. So I guess that's when we get into, you know, the, the real argument. Because if there is a precedence there that you shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff, and not only that, it's only happened, what, six months ago, if not a little bit more, a little bit less, is it really a good idea to do it with a 72-year-old man when there was no need? Because obviously the angle also went on to see Vince take a super kick and a frog splash. 
And I think you could debate that those two those two moves, you know, had as much impact as you know the headbutt itself. I mean, the headbutt was always going to generate more controversy. So maybe that's why they did it. However, it's still Vince McMahon getting his ass whipped by Kevin Owens. And Vince McMahon is still an old man. You know, that still ties into it. That's still part of the context. So it's difficult. It kind of, I mean, the health of the wrestlers and anybody involved when it comes to pro wrestling should always be the most important thing. And you can also start saying, isn't the point of wrestling that it's fake? Oh, fake's the wrong word. But you know what I mean. Therefore, we don't have to do this stuff for real. We can come up with ways around it. And you would be correct. So should we really be doing this kind of stuff? And it's difficult. I mean, it certainly seems like there was no fallout from it in terms of injuries. So in that sense, you think, okay, but you never know. Again, you can't control this stuff. When it comes to your health, you don't know what's going to happen. So I think maybe in that, guys, it wasn't the best idea in the world. But that's not on me. That's not on me to decide. You know, I, I have my opinions on it, and I, I think that I know it's difficult because I did enjoy it. I'm not saying that makes me a good person, but I enjoyed it from a fan's point of view and that, in that reaction, that like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I can't believe they've actually done that. And while I may have thought it was a worked headbutt at first, of course, I rewatched it and there was a slow motion one that went around Twitter. And that almost gave you another way to react to it. You could almost react to it for a second time because then you were like, holy shit, not only did it look amazing, they've actually gone all in with this. And you could say it added to it. But again, if the worst had happened, then it would have been crap. Like if Kevin Owens had been severely injured or Vince McMahon had been severely injured, then I wouldn't have enjoyed it. And I'd be like, well, that was stupid. What did you do that for? You know, the beauty of wrestling is we don't have to actually beat each other up. And yet here we are and here we are doing it. And you also get into this kind of debate where blading, and again, I know a lot of wrestling fans don't know what blading is. I don't mean that patronizingly. Not everyone knows everything. But I mean, literally, when wrestlers used to bleed, they'd have a razor blade hidden under their or in their mouth, or under the tape on their arms, and they'd nick their own heads, which does sound barbaric. But is that more barbaric than getting someone to smash you open for real? Hard way, as they say in the biz. I mean, probably not, right? At least the other way it's controlled, and you can kind of take charge of it. When you're kind of leaving it in the, in the hands of fate, a lot of other things could go wrong. I mean, even someone like Eddie Guerrero, who, who, over, who overbladed in his match against JBL, and that's disgusting to watch because there is so much blood, but he was still okay. I mean, okay's in, 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 not really okay, you know what I mean. But if this had gone wrong, I don't think you could have controlled it as well as you controlled that. So I do think it's a, it's a discussion to be had. I do understand why a lot of people are concerned by it, but it's very difficult to cri overly criticize because as an angle, it's worked. I imagine next week... Well, there is already intrigue about what Kevin Owens is going to do, what Shane McMahon's going to do, how this is going to help Kevin Owens going forward. And I think that's what I'd like to focus on mostly. I'm really hoping that this whole angle and these matches lead to Kevin Owens really feeling like a top guy on SmackDown, hopefully a main event heel that can go into title programs and, and all that kind of stuff. Because I really do think he's talented, he's funny, he's, you know, he's entertaining, and he, and he can wrestle. I think he has, there is just something about Kevin Owens which you obviously need if you, want, if you want to be a top guy. So I'm going to focus on that. I'm really pleased that WWE seem to try, be trying to heat Owens up. And I just hope it continues. But yeah, it's so difficult though, because I mean, it's almost like the Brock Lesnar-Randy Orton match from SummerSlam last year. Was it SummerSlam or Survivor Series? Whatever it was. Oh no, Survivor Series was Goldberg. Yeah, so SummerSlam. And again, I... I hesitate to use the word enjoy, but I did get something out of that finish again because of the visual. It was just shocking. So I was like, holy, holy crap. But again, 
when you think about um you know what could have happened that's when you start questioning i don't know whether we should uh i don't know whether we should have done this but hey it made an impact everyone seems like they're okay so in that sense I, I, for now i just think it was it was great i really do think it was great and i really really do hope it helps kevin owen Kevin Owens going forward. I also wouldn't mind it leading to a match maybe at WrestleMania next year between Triple H and Kevin Owens because you could tell that story. You know, we saw Stephanie McMahon come back. I don't want Shane McMahon to beat Kevin. So, you know, Kevin's going to have to have the upper hand. I mean, that means I want Triple H to win that match, which I don't. And there's no way they're going to let Kevin Owens get the, uh, uh, you know, the overall win there. But I, I think, I just think working a program with Triple H would help Kevin Owens even more. But yeah, love the angle, love the segment. When I put my real hat on, maybe not the smartest thing in the world, but it's wrestling, man, and wrestling is the craziest thing in the world run by Carney folks. Uh, I also thought the other highlight of Raw, especially, was everything they did with uh, Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman. I mean, Brock Lesnar, when he wants to sell for you, there's nobody better. And there's a reason Brock Lesnar's gotten to where he is, and it's because he's amazing. Obviously, Strowman came out, he took a German suplex, he popped right back up, he absolutely mauled Lesnar. And while that probably does mean that no mercy Lesnar will win, that's okay. Because if the match is done really, really well and Strowman is protected, Strowman is just going to come out the back of this feeling even like a bigger deal than he did already. And I don't think anybody could argue that Braun Strowman isn't the success story of 2017, because he most definitely is. I love him, and I don't think there's much they could do, unless Lesnar like ruined him in 20 seconds, that would water him down right now. So just think he's too good. He's progressed loads. You know, He seems to be getting it more and more as the weeks go on. His matches are getting better. If you put him in, the gu- put him in there with a guy that can work, he's even better still. Yeah, I, I just think that angle's great. I was a bit annoyed that they did Strowman versus Cena just on a random Raw. I mean, it ended, you know, in a big schmoz. There was no, there was no definitive winner, but I've said this a few times now. That first match is always going to have more weight, even if the second match, for example, is built up better. Because it's the first time. And anything you do, like when you first had sex, right? <laughs> you build up to it. Um, but... So yeah, I thought that was strange. I didn't really think they needed to do it. It's not like it was advertised heavily beforehand or it tied into a big angle. It was kind of just there, I would imagine, to keep people hooked because Monday Night Football came back this week and they thought, well, if we put two of our biggest stars in a match together, maybe that will keep people around. But I think you maybe could have even done that after the Lesnar and, and Rain Cena matches when they fall out the back because they're both going to need programs. So I thought that was a bit strange, but it was still enjoyable. Uh, I really enjoyed everything they did with Cena and Reigns this week. I like the whole shoot promo stuff. I do think Cena gets the better uh, of the exchanges. But if then Roman wins the match, then it's all right because it balances out. And I did enjoy uh, Jason Jordan versus Roman Reigns as well. I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was better than Cena Jordan the week before. I do like Jason Jordan. I just think his gimmick is terrible because I can't buy into it. On no planet do I believe that Jason Jordan is Kurt Angle's son, even in the world of make-believe. And I get that WWE is a soap opera, but it still presents itself as more real than those soap operas do, because those soap operas are so over the top and silly. And I know wrestling is too. It's just a storyline too far. That's the problem. Trying to, trying to tr- tell me that Kurt Angle had a secret love child that just happened to become Jason Jordan, it's just not believable. And I know WWE's done that a lot, but this is, I don't know, there's just something about this is just not working. But he did have a good match. He is very talented. There is certainly something there. I just hope they come up with a new plan for him soon because, yeah, this was dumb. But that obviously did end with Cena and Reigns going at it again. I could not believe the line about when Cena said, uh, you know, you, like a drug test, you can't get past me, which was a reference to Roman Reigns' failing of the wellness policy last year or two years ago, whenever it was. I mean, that to me was, I never thought they'd touch on this. 
And again, it's not really... I mean, this is when we get into... We'll bring the Ms. Enzo in here as well, because this is when you get into that blurred lines where most people probably didn't even know that Roman Reigns failed a wellness test if you're just a casual fan, because you don't care about that stuff. You only care about the story that's being pimped to you by WWE. So then you've got to start questioning, well, what does a casual fan think about this? And is it actually turning them off because they feel like they've missed out on part of the narrative? And that is an issue in itself because it's all well and good to cater to us, but we'll be there regardless. I mean, we watch through all the shit. I mean, that's both good and bad, depending on how you look at it. But your casual fan is the one you really do have to cater for sometimes. So I would be intrigued to see. I mean, if you are a casual fan, but you listen to hardcore wrestling podcasts, which would make no sense, drop me a line at Simon316. I'd, I'd be intrigued to see. You know, does it encourage you to go and read up about this stuff? Because that's something I think they could do too. Because you know, this whole breaking of the fourth wall seems to be a gimmick they're doing at the moment. And if you went all in with it and you used the commentary team especially to try and convince people to, to, to read up about what's going on, not necessarily behind the scenes, but in the scenarios that you want them to know about, then you could start merging fiction with reality. And that would be awesome because every time they've done that in the past, it is the best kind of storyline because the wrestlers don't have to act. You know, they're, they're, um, they're operating from a real place. So their reactions and what they're saying are real. And you can buy into that and believe that much more than a, than a phony promo or a made-up story, again, because it actually happened. But how you, how you balance that out to make sure you're not alienating some people, I don't know. But yeah, I couldn't believe a wellness policy. Of all the things, a wellness policy violation being used in a story and with the guy you're trying to make your, your top star. I mean, it worked. It got a reaction out of me. But whether or not that's beneficial going forward, I don't know. However, I am very excited to Cena, Cena versus Reigns. I think the match is going to be great. Uh, I will be a bit disappointed if Cena wins, only because I can see more potential in a Reigns win, especially as I think Cena's leaving to film Transformers afterwards. But it was done well, and Cena's not on Raw next week, so I'll be intrigued to see what Reigns can do to keep the buzz alive. But so far, I think they've, they've handled that well. Which then does bring us to the, uh, the other fourth wall that WWE have decided to break, which is WWE, <laughs> which is The Miz and Enzo Amore. Now, this obviously came out of nowhere, because there's no feud between The Miz and Enzo, unless I miss something, which I often do. So to me, this was more of a public dressing down. If you don't know, Enzo has got himself into a lot of trouble uh, over the last few weeks. Just with everybody, I think he's just a very annoying person. I think the Enzo you see on, on TV... Is, uh, is very much like the Enzo behind the stage, behind the scenes, which you can imagine would become a bit frustrating because he's very loud, I think, and he's very uh, obnoxious, I guess is the right word. I don't like to say that because I don't know Enzo Amore. Maybe he's a lovely bloke, but that certainly seems to be the case. So they had The Miz come out, and obviously the first thing The Miz announced that him and Maurice were going to have a child, and that seems to be legit, so congrats and good for them. That's awesome. But then... Enzo comes out and the Miz prepares to run him down and he's talking about everything. He's talking about Enzo being kicked off the bus and people not liking him. And again, that hasn't been featured in WWE storylines. If you don't read The Observer or, or wrestling news sites, you're not going to have a clue what, you know, what people are talking about. And I don't know how you react to that. I don't know what you get out of a segment if you, if you don't if you don't understand the, the context of it, it must baffle you. Again, there is a way to tell people, but if you're not going to tell people, then I don't, I, I don't know what they're telling. But it was good. Well, I, I got a kick out of it, because A, The Miz is just brilliant at the moment. His mic work is, 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 is spot on. But I like, seeing all the, I like seeing the dirty laundry aired in public, because there is just something fascinating about it. They had a terrible match afterwards. That wasn't any good. The match they did, you know, that, that followed was just... Oh, 
you know, that, that didn't help anything. But, I mean, it depends. I mean, it, is, it does seem a bit strange to move Enzo to 205 Live. And also, the Miz called that a demotion. So straight away, you've just shat all over 205 Live and the Cruiserweight, which is the last thing you need. But, you know, for him to go across there and be a legit star that could have actually revived that and then do this to him, I'm not sure if it was the smartest thing in terms of, in terms of long term. But in terms of an angle and a segment and people shooting from the hip, it was great. And I thought the Miz destroyed Enzo here. Absolutely destroyed him. And I've never been a big Enzo guy. I've said this on the podcast before. He just, he's always rubbed me the wrong way. And now I think I know why. Because I just maybe, in, in, just inside, I knew he was, he was a bit loud and obnoxious. But it was a good way to... Good ways, not necessarily. It was another talking point. I think that's the main thing. And I am intrigued to see if this is the thing in terms of breaking the fourth wall or it's just WWE just mucking around at the moment. But we'll see. I mean, other stuff on Raw, I actually like what Wyatt did with Goldust. I never say that about Bray Wyatt. But, you know, him rubbing off the face pace of Goldust as an analogy for who Finn Balor really is and why he lost at the pay-per-view actually made a lot of sense. It's beyond ridiculous that Goldust never revealed his protege at SummerSlam. Now that's been dropped like hot coffee. That's I can't stand it when WWE does that. I was actually intrigued to see uh, you know, to see what they had planned for Goldust because I really like Goldust. So for them to, to, to tease me and be like, oh, no, we just don't want to do it anymore. So why did you do it in the first place? It's like his whole feud with our truth which just died a death. I don't understand why I'm going to keep buying into this stuff if deep down I'm like, are they actually going to pay this off? Because I won't. Boy Who Cries Wolf, right? I'll eventually just stop and be like, well, what's the point? What is the point of me buying into this? I don't know what WWE is going to do. So that was a shame. But this was the first time in that Battle of Wyatt feud they at least had some, they had some sense there. Well, it was cool. It was a good use of gold dust. You know, and the visual of him rubbing off the paint, I thought. I was a fan of it. You know, I, I thought that was really good. And I think that's pretty much everything that went down on, on Raw. SmackDown was a good show as well. I'm not a big fan of everything they're doing with Styles Corbin and Dillinger just because it feels like a repeat each and every week. Apparently next week on SmackDown, we're going to get Styles versus Corbin. He's going to challenge for the open, uh, the, the open challenge. He's going to challenge for the open challenge, I just said. Good, good grammar. I mean, he's not going to win, is he? And I imagine Dillinger gets involved again. And that leads to a three-way at Hell in a Cell. And I just, I don't know. It's just not doing much for me. Baron Corbin's really, you know, ever since he lost his money in the bank, he does feel a bit like damaged goods. Whether that was the intent or not, I don't know. But anything that I did, any excitement that I had from him, and I did like him at some point, has waned a bit. AJ Styles is still the man, but I'd like to see him higher up the card. Especially because, you know, your main event feud at the moment is Jinder Mahal versus Nakamura. If you take Mahal out of there and put Styles in there, oh, it's just so much more interesting. Especially because this week... You know, Mahal's thing this week was he came out, he put a picture of Nakamura up on the screen, and then he started to be racist as the Singh brothers just laughed incoherently. You know, said he looked like Godzilla or something, and it was just bad. I mean, his point was, there was a twist in the tale. His point was, this is how you treat me, you're being racist, and you're racist to everybody. I don't know. It was just, it was just, it wasn't good. It didn't come across like a main event angle from your world champ, I think is my problem. And I don't necessarily blame that or put that on the shoulders of Jinder. He's only you know, delivering the material that he's got. But if I'm honest with myself, I do not see him as a world champion. I just don't. I just don't. I, I, I mean, maybe it's because his matches aren't the best. I do think he's got better as a character over the years, over the years, over the last few months. But it's just not working for me. I don't think he feels like a champion. 
I don't think they're they're treating him in the right way. I don't think they're booking his feuds the right way. I do like the Singh brothers. I think they're very entertaining. It's just a shame that the Styles and this program aren't flipped around. I think Mahal is US title holder right now and doing all this would be awesome and you'd really feel like he's getting somewhere. And then having Styles in the main event picture because he's a, you know, established veteran would just work wonders. So it is a shame. I can't believe Nakamura is going to beat Mahal at Hell in a Cell. So where you go from there, I don't know. What happens to Nakamura? Where does Mahal go on to? But it's not working for me. Just being honest, not ragging on Jinder. I like Jinder. He's like a very nice guy. I'm made up for him half the time because I'm just like, sweet. You know, this guy lived his dream and probably never thought he's going to get here. And now he did. But, you know. What do you do? Really enjoyed the Usos versus New Day street fight. Hate they keep hot-shotting the tag team titles around. It's got to the point now where they're doing it. So you're like, well, I've got to watch SmackDown because you never know when the titles are going to change. But if you do that all the time, which is what they're doing now, you start to go, well, they will change because it always changes. So they could have balanced that about a bit better. And having it being thrown around that much does, does lessen the title. But they're so good together. You know, they've got chemistry. The matches are great. This was an awesome street fight. And it was just on a random episode of SmackDown. I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and uh, I've been a, such a fan of the Usos for years. I've always said this. And if you ever watched them on Total Divas, you knew how fun and entertaining they could be. So I am genuinely really, really happy that, um, you know, I, I know they just lost the, the championships, but they do feel more relevant and more exciting now than they have done ever, probably. And I love them as heels. I think they're awesome. I mean, I don't know what you do now. The rumor is we are going to get a Hell in a Cell match between them, and that would probably be good. Because you're going to have five guys in there. Because obviously the New Day will have uh, Xavier Woods on the outside. Or, or at least being involved in some fashion. And they'd probably tear it up. But I think as long as that happens and New Day wins. And then they, they separate in terms of the feud. I think that's fine. And I really enjoyed the show on Benjamin, Jared Gable tag team. I hope it's not an overly long thing. Even though SmackDown does need more teams. But I just think Shelton Benjamin has a singles push in him. And Chad Gable does too. But I do love it. I am really excited to see Shelton Benjamin back on TV. I don't know what it is. I just think it's because I know how capable he is. And I assume that as he went away and got a load of uh, more experience in the indies and in Japan, that he's going to be better than ever. And that does certainly seem to be the case. So two good shows, I thought, this week, actually. I thought Raw and SmackDown were actually really good. We're obviously leading up to No Mercy. Hell and Estelle is still a good few weeks away. But no, I thought WWE had a really, really strong outing of TV this week. I certainly don't think there's much you could complain about other than the little things that we touched upon. You know, the women's stuff on either side, maybe that was a low point just because, you know, I, I thought the Naomi versus Natalia match was good, but they didn't, have any, they didn't even have an entrance. Well, neither girl had an entrance. So you're like, why? That would never happen. Like on the bloke side, I don't think, and I'm sure you could prove me otherwise, but it's not even that the fact it's male or female. A title match should always be made to feel like a big deal. And I get that you may be running short on time, but... You know, I wasn't a big fan of that. Not sure how I feel about James Ellsworth being on a leash. <laughs> it was very strange. And I, it was uh, Sasha Banks versus Emma on Raw, right? And Sasha Banks beat her, I think. I can't remember. But that, I mean, that speaks volumes anyway. I, I, I'm just not massively excited about that four-way. I'm not massively excited about the women's division on Raw at the moment. I don't know what it is. Maybe it feels a bit rushed. And I'm glad that Oscar's going to Raw. I can't remember if we talked about this last week or not. I'm really happy they've got vignettes to announce that she's coming to Raw because, you know, that gives them a good few months to build her up and make her feel like a big deal and let people that don't know who she is buy into her, you know, undefeated in 500 days or whatever it was. I don't think it was that long. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, two good shows. Really, really good shows. We had the Mae Young Classic after SmackDown as well, which Kyra Sane won. Uh, she beat that MMA lady... Baszler, Chayna Baszler, there we go, almost forgot. 
And everyone thought they were going to have this four horsemen angle because apparently at Survivor Series they are doing the four horsewomen of MMA versus the horse for, for the four horsewomen of uh, pro wrestling. And that would be a huge angle because if Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey is still a huge star. You know, I know her stock, her stock fell a bit because obviously her career kind of hit a brick wall very fast, but she's still a huge star with mainstream appeal and that will get coverage on ESPN and newspapers and everything that WWE loves. And I would be intrigued to see it. I mean, the, the only thing I'm not massively excited about is apparently the, the end goal is to have a match at WrestleMania 34. Now, if you do Rousey versus Charlotte, awesome. That's going to benefit Charlotte. It's going to feel like uh, it's feel like something special. But the other apparent plan is Ronda Rousey versus Stephanie McMahon. I don't want to see that. I mean, I get it. You get Ronda Rousey on the show. But even if Ronda Rousey beats Charlotte, which I know is dumb because it's a non-wrestler against a non-wrestler, but you can also argue that Ronda Rousey is actually more legit because she is more legit. She's a, she's a trained MMA fighter. But Charlotte gets more out of that going forward in her career than Stephanie McMahon, who doesn't need any rub at this point because she's Stephanie McMahon. I didn't even like the fact she came out on SmackDown. The worst part of that was she came out at the end of SmackDown to be like, oh, Dad, you're Kevin Owens, oh, damn you. And then, you know, an hour later, she's back out there for the May Young Classic being like, wee, I can't stand that. And it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's pro wrestling. Who cares? But at least try and pretend that it's real if you're the people putting on the product. So, yeah, that was, that was just weird and that was weird and silly. But, I mean, overall, I thought the May Young Classic was... It was a solid tournament. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the Cruiserweight Classic, but I think that's more in the way that they presented it. I don't want to have to sit there and binge, was it eight episodes or whatever it was? So I only watched about three or four. And then I know it was only short 45 minutes, but I was like, I just can't be, I don't want to watch anymore. I just don't. There's so much wrestling in a week, I need a break. So I didn't like the way they did that, but it certainly seems, it doesn't seem to have hurt them too much. I know it had the, 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 the May Young Classic was the top eight programs on the network when they were doing it. And what, I don't know, maybe you could have saved the, the final for a pay-per-view or something instead. Something felt a bit lacking to me, but I did think everybody involved in the tournament was really, really good. And I thought it was really well done. And I'll take one of these tournaments each and every year. I'd like to see a tag team tournament next year because then you've got cruiserweights, women's and tags. And then maybe you can start it all again. But I do enjoy them. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was entertaining. Kyra Sane looks awesome. You know, I knew a bit, uh, I knew a bit about her from Japan, but you know, this is the most I've ever got to see her, and she looks really, really talented. Probably on the same level as Oscar, if you want to start breaking it down. And yeah, I mean, hopefully WWE, WWE uses this to bring a lot more women into, you know, on Raw and SmackDown, which they do need. You know, I always think they they, they feel like they're lacking depth in both. So if we can build a couple up, and you know, just 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 pad out those divisions on each show. That will help, and then we won't have to do the whole, well, this segment is just all the women in a section. We can actually just have storylines that come and go as and when necessary. Uh, away from WWE, we may have talked about this last week. I don't think we did. Who knows? We'll go over it again. Is that Jeff Jarrett has left GFW, which is just... It doesn't actually seem like it's going to affect things too much. You know, GFW were very, very aggressive to come out and say, look, this, we're still going business as usual. We're not selling everything. We're still launching our network, which I think has been delayed now. But $7.99 and you get access to the pay-per-views, I think, and all the back catalogue. So I don't think they're going to go anywhere. I don't think they're going to die. I don't know what happened either. I don't know why Jarrett left. I don't even think it's a massive deal that he did leave because I don't think we've seen a huge turnaround. You know, TV ratings have been okay. I mean, the last TV rating they did was the lowest of the they've done all year, I believe. So I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. And that's not a slight on Jeff Jarrett, who I do actually quite like. I just think that's the company in general. Unless they make some sweeping changes, I don't see what would really get it going anyway. But it is strange that he's gone. 
And he's still resting on the independent scene, so I would imagine they've fallen out over something. What I don't know, obviously. Why would I know? <laughs> but it, it, <laughs> I think it's just bad from a, from a PR point of view or a public relations point of view. Because it always seems like any time GFW gets even a bit of... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sturdiness... Then it just falls apart again. You're like, man, but they never die. I just thought it was fascinating. And actually, Impact's been all right the last few weeks. The Bobby Lashley story is actually quite entertaining with this whole, does he go to MMA or does he go to pro wrestling? I just think they need to stop being WWE light. And whether or not they're going to do that, I don't know. But yeah, he has gone. I, I think the new, um, the new top structure is John Gaborik, Sanjay Dutt, and somebody else who I can't remember who it was. I can see his face, and I know he used to be in the Canadian thing. I can't remember his name. Scott Damore. I think that's the three that have taken over, and maybe they'll do a better job. I don't know. I don't know. GFW is always in such a bizarre position. I can never work it out. Obviously, competition is always better because you know just it makes it keeps other people on their toes. We'll see what happens. Them staying with Pop TV, I don't think is the best thing in the world. If you do get the app, I think you can watch it ten days afterwards. Impact. Is that really going to get? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't have the answer either. So I'm not going to sit here and criticize it too much because I just don't know. I don't know what you do. But he has gone. New power regime. Um, what's his name? The, the main, main guide guy, Ed Nordhold. Is that his name? Or is that someone else? Completely, I don't know. He did an interview with Wrestling Observer. I think we did talk about this last week. Oh, well, we're talking about it again. But you know, he came out and again, he was very aggressive to say, look, this doesn't change anything. So hopefully it doesn't. I don't want to see... Uh, you know, I don't want to see GFW flop at any, at any point in time. Moving away from wrestling quickly, I did want to talk about the John Jones B sample. Now, in MMA or in UFC, when you do get done for doing drugs, you have two samples. You've got an A sample and a B sample. A sample always gets tested. And then if you request the B sample to be tested because you, you don't believe the drug test, they'll test it for you. And surprise, surprise, it came back, uh, <laughs> it came back positive for the steroid Tyranobol, which is what he got done for in the first place. The belt has now gone back to Daniel Cormier. And the whole situation is just awful. I mean, it really is just awful because now you're more than... It's more than fair of someone to presume that John Jones has been doing this the whole time and that he's been getting away with it or, you know, all the, the lies and excuses he fed us before were just that. It ruins Daniel Cormier... It doesn't ruin Daniel Cormier's career, but it puts a huge asterisk over Daniel Cormier's career because not only now do you not really know what would have happened in that fight... But he got knocked out too. And every time you suffer a knockout, it does affect you as a fighter. It makes your chin a little bit weaker. I'm sure mentally it's a tough thing to get over. You saw how emotional he was after the fight. And now he just gets his belt back. And that, that, that match is just expunged from the record. So no contest. And I just think it sucks so bad that John Jones can not only screw up his own life, but basically screwed up the, the fighting life, the fighting career of Daniel Cormier, who up to this point has been pretty much a model, a model MMA fighter, really. So that whole situation is just... I mean, it's good that these people are getting caught because, you know, you don't want drugs in... I mean, if you're going to do drugs in sport, you've got to be like... You know, everyone does drugs, but you're not going to do that, obviously. So I just thought that was a shame. I thought it was a real shame, and I just I just feel sorry for Daniel Cormier, if I'm completely honest. I don't think it's... But it's not fair. It's completely out of his, his wheelhouse. He can't control any of this. So, yeah, I don't... I just... It's just crazy. I mean, it, it sucks for John Jones. I mean, not for him. He shouldn't have done this stuff. It was on him. But you know, he he really did have the potential to be the you know one of the greatest fighters ever in terms of skill level. And he's just ruined his own reputation. 
I mean, I'm sure they're going to try and claim a, a tainted supplement, but I don't believe that personally. Just as my personal opinion, but I don't know. But it certainly would seem um, would seem dubious, seem dubious to me. One other thing I do want to touch on, just because oh my gosh, it cracked me up. Uh, Bree Better and Daniel Bryan were doing a Q and A live stream or Facebook live thing or something, and it basically came out that WWE wouldn't let Daniel Bryan upload a video of him training because he was taking pumps. And obviously, he's not meant to be doing that because they forced him to retire. And in the same week, you've got the owner of the company taking massive headbutts to the face. I mean, the irony, and the irony is not even the, the, the right word, but the hypocriticalness of it is just... And if you're Daniel Bryan right now, you must be so mad because it certainly does seem like there's only one doctor who doesn't want him to return. And I'm sure that doctor has his reasonings, and I'm sure in many ways that's good for Daniel Bryan. But a lot of people have now come out and said, no, Daniel Bryan, you'd be fine. You'd be absolutely fine to, to wrestle. He's not allowed to wrestle, and then he sees all that stuff going going on, uh, you know, going on, well, you know, as the main event of uh, the main event of SmackDown. His contract comes to the end next summer, yes, next summer, and I think he'll leave, and I think he'll go back to the independents. And I'm not even worried about it anymore. From everything I've read recently, it certainly sounds like he's going to be okay. It's not going to be a problem. You know, he's not going to injure himself or have any health scares. So I'm fine with that. And I'm really intrigued to see how that affects, not affects the indie scene, but how much buzz that generates. Because when you are out of the WWE spotlight, people do forget quickly. Again, especially a casual fan. Out of sight, out of mind is definitely a thing in wrestling. And I, but I still think I'd love to see Daniel Bryan go back. Imagine we got a Carter versus the American Dragon in New Japan. Or, or we did get Cody Rhodes versus Daniel Bryan, um, Bryan Danielson in Ring of Honor. I think something like that would do gangbusters especially the first match he has. Again, going back to the first match mentality, I think that it would uh, it would really, really spark an interest. I don't think it's going to affect... Uh, it's not going to affect WWE, really. I, I don't see why... I don't think anything outside of, the, outside of their walls are going to affect them. I think it's mostly on them. They control their own destiny because they're so big now. But it would be fascinating to see this proper main event level star, still kind of in the peak of his career, leave... To go just because he loves wrestling, doesn't care about the money, doesn't care about the fame. It must be really hard to leave WWE, which is why when you look at someone like Dolph Ziggler, who's now doing this awful gimmick where he just impersonates other people's entrances. But he must like it there. He must like the money, he must like the fame, or there must be something. I don't want to. I don't want to speak on his behalf, but there must be something there. Whereas Daniel Bryan's complete, or certainly seems like completely cool. Going, nope, don't don't care about this. Properly, just just happy to to walk away. And just wrestle. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. But yeah, imagine that. Uh, Daniel, you can't upload that video. Taking a bump. But the chairman of the board just took a legit headbutt. Yeah, well, we don't care about that. Don't don't upload it. Ah, well. We'll see what happens. It also sucked that I found out that... Well, it depends what happens. That It's now come out that, yes, it was meant to be Luke Harper and Eric Rowan who were going to be the team in the Fashion Files segments. Or at least that's the, that's the hint of what people are saying. That has apparently now been dropped... But the other rumor is that Luke Harper is being repackaged. That's all I really care about here. And it's nothing against Eric Rowan. I think he's decent enough. But I think they've got gold in Luke Harper. And the fact he's off TV at the moment, I find baffling. I just wasting away this, this awesome guy. So the one thing I want for the rest of the year, I want a new gimmick for Luke Harper. And I want him to be treated seriously. And I want him to, you know, I want him to be a big deal. He's really good. He's really good. And no one, no one seems to understand that in WWE. So we will, we'll have to see what happens with that. I don't think anything else is going on in wrestling. I mean, maybe I've forgotten something. I'm sat here and there's something huge and 
I'm not thinking about it. Again, Brock Lesnar's not on Raw, neither is John Cena this week. So that'd be interesting, Raw, to see how they get those two matches across. Uh, Big Show's out. Big Show's having hip surgery. Could it be the end of his career? I mean, I doubt it. But it's pretty big surgery to have. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I don't think there's any update with the, uh, the the Matt Hardy broken situation. This latest situation with GFW, I don't really think affects any of that. It seems to be business as usual from their point of view. So I don't really know what WWE are doing with this Woken stuff at the moment. They kind of tease it, but not tease it. So they're clearly they're, they're clearly unsure about you know what the best direction to head with that is. But all in all, a solid week of TV for WWE. New Japan had their destruction show. I haven't seen it, but apparently it was awful which cracks me up considering that New Japan never have awful shows, but I just won't get around to see that if we're completely honest. And, you know, that's, that's wrestling. That's wrestling for the week. I'm definitely excited about No Mercy. I think it's going to be one of the better pay-per-views of the year. Cannot wait to see what Kevin Owens does on Tuesday SmackDown. I think that's going to be really interesting. And, yeah, you know, if you're watching NXT as well, Kyra Sane is now the number one contender for Oscar's relinquished women's championship. So I presume they're going to get a number one contender booked for her. Maybe Ember Moon again. I'd be all right with that. And hopefully we're going to see an influx of new talent to WWE uh, from the female point of view. So we can actually start padding out those divisions. The same with the tag teams. Like I say, we've got um, you know, the tag team stuff on Raw this week was basically putting the Hardys, the Gallows and Anderson. Who else was it? Miz and Ambrose, obviously, and Sheamus and Cesaro. So it's still those four teams kind of doing the rounds at the moment. And that is getting a bit long in the tooth as well. So hopefully we can... Uh, cause that was the other thing on SmackDown, actually. They teased... They had a uh, Hype Bros versus... That was the match that Benjamin and Gable had. And they teased that Zack Ryder was going to turn heel. The last thing you want to do right now is break up more tag teams. Now, I actually think when Mojo Rawley's not being hyped up mentalist, he's actually quite good. I think there's something there. But right now, I keep them as a tag team just so that whoever is champions in a few months has someone to feud with. Otherwise, what are you going to do? You're going to run out of teams. And does anyone really want to see a Mojo Rawley versus Zack Ryder feud... I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. I want to talk for you. But I thought I, that, that to me right now, the tag teams are something I think they should be focusing on and trying to trying to improve. So the fact they're not to me is is crazy. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. If you are a, a, a $5 plus Patreon uh, supporter, patreon.com for Simon 316, your exclusive podcast is up now in the back end. Just log in to see it. We talk all about Stone Cold Steve Austin walking out in the w, of the WWE in 2002. I thought it was quite a fascinating discussion. Well, discussion was just me talking monologue. But you can be the judge of that too. Uh, we will be doing another one next week. The poll will be up later today. So please vote and let me know what you'd like me to talk about. I haven't come up with the options yet, but I have a think today and let you know. Uh, yet, yeah, please do give us five stars. Give us a review. Share us on Twitter. Tell people, go on Reddit and say, hey, you should listen to Simon's and Postcard. If you like it. If you don't, don't do that. That'd be ridiculous. And on, on, on completely random news, if you keep an eye on my Twitter on Monday at 10 a.m. at Miller 316 I will be debuting the new track from my band, MG and the Juggernaut, going full Chris Jericho on my podcast now. But yeah, 10 a.m., a YouTube link and the Apple link and all the music store links will go up on my Twitter on Monday. Would love as much feedback and, and support with that as possible if you like the track, obviously. A hell of a lot of time, work and money has gone into it. It's the definition of a DIY track in the sense that obviously we make the music, Rich, our bassist, does the producing, Perry did all the artwork, and I did the video this time, which you'll be able to tell video is not the best thing we've ever done. I shot it very quickly because we ran out of time, but still... You know, I'm very proud of it. It's, I think it's the, the only track that we've ever released that I've ever actually been truly proud of because we really sat down and knuckled down with it. So any support on that would be, would be awesome. I probably will play it in next week's episode 
Because if Chris Jericho can do it, why can't I do it? And it makes me a huge hypocrite because I hate it when Chris Jericho does that. But if he can do it, I'll be nice and leave it till the end. But we'll do that next week. I want to I want to release it on Monday first. But if nothing else, thank you very much for listening to me. Thank you for supporting me with your time and your ears. We do drop every Saturday. And it is Saturday today. Can you believe it? We made the day. What a wonderful world. Next week, we will predict no mercy, of course. And again, on the subject of predictions, go to the Facebook group. Search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast in Facebook and join up to the Fantasy League and you can win a prize. This is my last call out. To the guy that won season one, please drop me a tweet at Simon316 so I can send you a prize. I've got a bunch of uh, CEX vouchers for you. If I don't hear from you in the next week, that will be a rollover into the season two prize. But again, have a lovely week. Have a lovely weekend. Try and enjoy wrestling as much as you can. It's there to entertain you. And I'll be chatting to you again very soon.